walking in first course, I got a blueberry board, two roasted beet salads, and a brown dod. Second course, I got a mushroom risotto, grouper, medium rare hanger steak. I need that souffle for table 24. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks so much for stopping by, and welcome to 86 Straight Dialogue with Restaurant Leaders, where we're talking with chefs, restaurateurs, and consultants about everything related to restaurant culture. I am your host. My name is Adam Stafford. I've been in the restaurant industry for about 15 years. By no means does that make me an expert, just someone that really enjoys talking shop and providing value wherever I can. I look to provide you, the listener, with insight and strategy that you can use in your day-to-day -day moving forward. I encourage you to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, our YouTube channel, 86 Attrition, as well as our affiliate website, hospitality1to1.com. I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, and if you like what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe to the show. Again, thanks for stopping by. Hey everybody, real quickly before we get into another awesome dialogue with this week's guest, I just want to take a second and throw some recognition and some praise to a handful of organizations that we have become familiar with during the production of the show. Those organizations include Ben's Friends, Restaurant After Hours, Cullen Recovery, Chow, and also uh, the focus of today's episode, Cleveland Family Meal. We're talking today with the founder of Cleveland Family Meal, Vinny Semino. And for any of you out there that are tuning in that felt compelled to do so, I would encourage you to show some love and support to these organizations in any way that you can. Uh, you know, they're really exacting some awesome efforts to support the people that make up the restaurant industry in a number of different ways. And so if you felt compelled to do so, um, Please show your love to these organizations. You can find links to their home pages in the comments section of the episode. And so uh, I encourage you to check them out. With that said, here is today's dialogue. Thanks so much for joining me again this week on 86th Straight Dialogue with Restaurant Leaders. I am very, very happy to be joining you again. Um, as always, I am your very gracious host, Adam Stafford. And I've been looking forward to this conversation for almost a week. Today, I'm talking with Chef Vinny Semino. Vinny is currently working with a group called Cleveland Family Meal, and really, really excited to hear about his work there. To be quite honest with you, man, I've followed your exploits with Cleveland Family Meal over the past few months via social media, and really, really inspiring stuff there. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear just kind of about how your culinary path began and how that led into starting Cleveland Family Meal. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of been around the industry for my entire life. My grandmother had a, a restaurant slash deli when I was growing up uh, in Kent. Um, mostly I would like wash dishes and, you know, take beers out to tables and whatnot. But uh, I, I come from a big Italian family. We cook a lot. We uh, we eat a lot, uh, lots of big uh, gatherings all the time. Um, so a lot of my life has been kind of, you know, memories were, you know, surrounded by food and whatnot. Uh, so um, I went to college in South Carolina at the Citadel um, in Charleston. 
nothing to do with uh, culinary whatsoever. Um, I, I majored in uh, political science and philosophy, minored in history and English kind of thing. Like, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I just knew that I liked learning. So, um, and then being in Charleston led me to uh, being in and around food more. So Charleston at the time was like this budding food scene that was, you know, just kind of coming around and it was, um, it was cool to kind of be in there. So I started like, you know, serving uh, tables, doing a little bit of cooking here and there. But um, what I time really period like, would this have been in? This would have been probably 2000, 2003, 2004, okay. I guess. Good time to be in so, Charleston. Yeah, great time to be in Charleston. So I, that's when I kind of, you know, realized my, uh, my love of food. And what it was is like, what brought me into cooking is like, I really enjoyed eating and I wanted to understand why I liked eating so much what it was that made it taste so good and how I could, you know, just kind of learn more about it. Again, I was always like, uh, always wanted to continue learning. Um, and food was just, uh, the next, you know, evolution in that learning process. Um, and then, yeah, from there, uh, I moved back home to Ohio, uh, after Charleston, it was just way too expensive. I couldn't afford it anymore. Uh, and started working in various restaurants, um, you know, mostly serving tables, doing the uh, front of the house side of uh, things. And then one day somebody asked, like they knew I was, you know, into cooking and I cooked at home, um, asked if I could help out in the kitchen because uh, somebody called off uh, and then I just kind of never looked back. So um, from, uh, I worked at a little restaurant in, Pen in uh, Peninsula called Russo's. It was like a Italian, you know, Creole inspired restaurants. Uh, from there, uh, I went to... Uh, a country club in Medina for a little bit, and then eventually found my way to Ken Stewart's in Akron, where I spent about six years. Um, from Ken Stewart's, uh, I left him and uh, started working with Jonathan Sawyer at, at Greenhouse. Um, I got hired in as the fourth sous chef. Um, I was the first sous chef to ever be hired into uh, Greenhouse. Everybody was always promoted from within. Um, it was just a very, you know, fortuitous time. They were in need of somebody and I was, you know, looking to get out of where I was and, and to continue my, my growth. Um, and it, it just, it worked out great. It was, it was a perfect fit. I spent about six, I think about six and a half years with Jonathan, uh, starting off as a sous chef, um, quickly becoming the CDC of Greenhouse uh, there for about three years and then eventually becoming um uh, the corporate chef uh, and his traveling sous chef, and then also the uh, the CDC of Trentina and University Circle. Um, yeah. So, and then after that, I, I helped uh, another James Beard Award winner, Michael uh, Schwartz, open up uh, Michael's Genuine Food and Drink in Shaker Heights. Um, and then recently just helped uh, another group open up a restaurant in uh, Lakewood called Summerhouse. And uh, that kind of brings us up to date from there. After Summer House, we started the Cleveland Family Meal. We've been working, uh, you know, uh, vigorously on that, trying to help to feed the, um, you know, hospitality industry, uh, people who are in need, who are affected, you know, a lot by the pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where we are. And so I didn't realize until uh, I did a bit more homework that 
you guys were six days in. You guys were like six days in on a comparatively rock solid opening with Summer House. Yeah. Yeah, we had done one one week of friends and family and then six days of actual service. And then we got shut down. And that was kind of where Family Meal came into play. Like we were like, all right, well, our staff, and mostly it was me thinking about the greenhouse staff who had just shut got shut down. Uh, you know, probably the end of February, I think it was, or maybe it was like the third week of February. And then all of them, now that I was opening up another restaurant, had all reached out to me. Had almost every single one of them had matriculated over to Summer House. They would already, you know, they had gone through two weeks of training. They had at least one week of of, of no service from Greenhouse. So they're looking at almost an entire month of, you know, little to no paychecks. So, you know, my mind went out to them. It was like, God, these these people, my friends have have not been making any money for an entire month almost. Like, you know, there's got to be something that we can do to help them. And that just started off with like, okay, like we know we're getting shut down. We don't know what the extended time that we're getting shut down is, um, but we have all this food because we just opened. So let's, um, we know that we're shutting down for at least a week. None of this stuff's going to be good. We froze what we could. Everything else, we're like, let's just cook everything that we have and we'll give it out to our staff our, you know, friends and family and, and let them know like, Hey, we're here for you. If you need something, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, you know, we want to take care of you the best that we possibly can, you know, during these times. So, um, and that's just kind of where, how family meal started. And it just kind of snowballed so quick into like all of a sudden one week turned to two weeks and we just kept cooking. And then people started reaching out to us about, you know, they needed help. And then, uh, we were very fortunate that the purveyor started reaching us out to us. The restaurants aren't open. We have a bunch of food that we can't use too. Can we donate it to you? Can you cook it? Can you distribute it? And, you know, we took anything and everything. Um, at one point in time, we had 16 cases of mayonnaise, 16 cases of mayonnaise, any, any type of mayonnaise you could think of, you know, whether Dukes, Hellman's, uh, Maricuip, any type of random salad dressing. I know type you're of there. Oh yeah. Super, super big Dukes guy. Uh, best the best out there but it was it was insane how much like we literally cooked anything we could with mayonnaise we made bread with mayonnaise like anything you can think of like we we got creative to to utilize the things that we had because it, we knew that no matter what we did um and it was we were still chefs doing you know quality work that it was better than them having nothing so we're like let's figure out things that we could do you know lots of mayonnaise for a long time but you know, we, we got through almost 16 entire cases of mayonnaise. Well, and I'm only now putting it together, the the time in Charleston and then the Duke's mayonnaise. I couldn't figure it out before. I'm like, you know, I, I grew up in the South. And so, you know, Duke's is big in the South. And I got up here and some people were hip to Duke's, but not everyone. And so I'm like, where, where did this guy become? So my mom okay. is from All Alabama. Right. And I spent, I spent a lot of time in Alabama growing up uh, as a kid. Um my, I would go down with my, my grandfather uh, probably two or three times a year to Alabama uh, because they have uh, a couple properties down there still that they were, you know, uh, snowbirds going back and forth. And they had a property in Gulf Shores that they, you know, would go down every, every you know, a couple times a year to, to help out with. So um, I'd always had, uh, you know, uh, an affliction for Dukes growing up just because it was always around. Even when we would come back to Ohio, like the cabinets at my house would still be, still have right. Dukes in it. Like I didn't think anything of it until I got a little bit older and 
became more of a, a mayonnaise connoisseur, if you will, um, and realized like, damn, like Duke's is just made different. Like it just the the acidity in it is just it's just different. It's just so much better. Well, and let's face it, pimento cheese is not pimento cheese if it doesn't have Duke's mayo in it. You know? I have to agree. Yeah. I have well, to. so I'll tell you what really really stuck out to me when I was reading up on uh, the opening and then six days later, the closing of Summer House. Man, you guys did not miss a step in going from, okay, we're shut down. And that's a tough time because that like helped open a couple of restaurants too. There's a lot of nerves yeah. going into it, um, going into the friends and family nights, going into yeah. the soft openings and then going live. There's a ton of nerves around it, man. Like It's a high anxiety time for sure because you know a ton of money is on the line, right? But you guys did not miss a beat. Like It was literally... Shut down one day, the next day you're distributing food. Another thing that I think is really amazing and speaks to not only the chef community, but the food community in general here in the Cleveland Akron area is getting so much support from purveyors like Cleveland Kraut, like Chef's Garden, like all these different groups that you know are, are now known for just making insanely great product and producing insanely great product and immediately them saying, you know, let us help you do this. Yeah. And that, and that was, it was, uh, honestly, I mean, it was a horrible time because everybody was losing jobs, but it was an amazing time to see the community, uh, the hospitality community come together. We didn't reach out for any donations, especially in the beginning. Like it was, everything came to us, you know, Farmer Lee, you know, called me and said like, Hey, I, you know, I see what you're doing. Can I help? Uh, Cisco called and said, Hey, I see what you're doing. We have a bunch of stuff. Can I help? Uh, you know, certified Angus beef calls and says, Hey, like, you know, we don't have anything here, uh, but, you know, here, now that we're not doing any of our spending that we're normally doing, you know, buy $500 of, of, of beef from Blue Ribbon, buy $500 of beef from here and, and use it wherever you can to try and help. You know, like everybody came out, chefs, local chefs came out and communities came out. Um, you know, we got donations from uh, Forage in Lakewood, uh, obviously Salt in Lakewood, and that started, a, you know, a big relationship for us. Um, you know, people was like, our kitchens are shutting down too. Like, you know, here we don't have the capacity to do what you're doing. Um, but let us, you know, contribute so you can continue, uh, you know, yeah, the no, I mean, it, it's pretty awesome, man, because I can't, I can't help but read that and feel like you and the, your, your core team that you had going through that at Summer House. I don't know if it necessarily came across that way at the time. I could see where it might not, but it seems like you guys just yeah. really galvanized an entire group to say, okay, like, Let's get after this. Let's see what we can do about this, you know, this. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, it started off really organically. We were just, uh, we, you know, my, my sous chef uh, at the time, Ryan Boone, and a good friend of mine, we sat down and we were like, man, like, what, what are we going to do? Um, and it was just inherent that we knew what we were going to do. Like it wasn't, you know, there was no question. We knew that we wanted to step up and help where we could. I mean, we're, we're, we're cooks at heart, you know, we know that's what we know what to do. So how can we affect, um, you know, people during a pandemic that are out of work, you know, our friends, our community, our people, like, what can we do to help? And immediately it was just like, we can cook, you know, that's, that's what we can do. We can cook, we can in these hard times. And that's what we did. We just kept cooking. We, we, our motto was like, we're going to, you know, continue to cook until we can't cook anymore. So the, the donations run out until we're going to continue to keep going. And we've been very fortunate that we're still going now. We're not doing as much cooking as we were before uh, because 
kitchens are open now. Um, you know, we don't have as much space to, to do these extra things, but you know, now we've, we've developed a food pantry, you know, we, uh, do orders, you know, once a week, once every other week we bring in, we put together big, uh, food pantries out of salt and, you know, we get lines, you know, 50 to 60 people every week, um, every other week, depending on when we're doing them that stand out there and come up and fill up their, their bags with eggs and milk and, you know, whatever dry products we get, paper goods, anything that we can get our hands on that people have donated to us or that we've ordered to, you know, to help provide, you know, during the tough times. And it's definitely something that we're going to continue doing post-pandemic. If there, you know, is a post-pandemic, you know, people are always going to be in need. Um, and that's what we've come to find. And it's been, you know, it's been eye-opening. So what do you yeah. think we're looking at at this point, as far as the post-pandemic goes, um, as far as the job market goes, as far as the industry goes, as we start to head back towards winter, as we start to head back towards a time when, you know, outdoor dining is not a reality. I don't know. I mean, I can't help but feel like things to a certain extent are as uncertain now as they ever were, despite the fact that it seems like we're starting to see a little bit of an upswing. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it, it's, I think there's more uncertainty now than there was before because we're going into the winter months. We're going into only indoor dining. There's no more um, theoretical outdoor dining. Unless you have an enclosed space that's covered, that has heaters, like you're, you're not going to be able to use those for much longer. Like it's, it's getting cold right now. You know, we're in Ohio. Like, you know, we have winter eight months out of the year, essentially. Like it's, it's not going to be very fortuitive uh, to have these outdoor spaces. So I think this is going to be the trying time. And not to mention like our, our, the numbers in the pandemic are spiking daily right now, especially in Ohio. Like every day, the numbers are going up and up again. You know, we've never... We're at the highest amount that the pandemic has been uh, with confirmed cases that we have since we've started. Uh, and I, for one, you know, I, I, I came down with COVID a couple months ago. So it was, it was not fun. You know, I, I wore a mask all the time and somehow I, I still, uh, I still contracted. I don't know how uh, it just kind of happened. Luckily, my family didn't get sick. I was the only one in the household. I, but I mean, I was... 10 of those days, like nothing but bed rest and about seven of those days. And then um, I didn't, my taste and smell you know, were gone for about a month. Um, so, I mean, as far as, you know, what we're looking at, I this winter is going to be, it's going to be harder, the hardest winter ever in the restaurant. I think we're going to see more closures through November to February than we've seen thus far, unless another, uh, you know, PPP comes through, which I, I you know, I don't foresee happening. Um, you know, and I, unfortunately really think that there's almost like this depth of fine dining, like this just people aren't going out for that experience anymore. They're eating more, they're getting used to either eating at home or eating to go food and stuff like that. And that, that hospitality experience is, is, is almost kind of fleeting and, um, which is, you know, sad, sad to see, you know, places, you know, staples like fire, you know, closing down or even, you know, smaller places like Sokolowski is closing down after 85 years, like locally, like, um, you know, I think on the on the other side of that, like I feel that there is definitely um, a restoration of this farm to table movement. Like now more than ever, like we need to support our local farmers. We need to support the people who provide us with these goods because they're, you know, that's another side of this. Like they're affected just as much by this pandemic as we are. And you know, 
they're losing out on the crowds. Like they're, they're, everything's, you know, pricing's plummeted because nobody's buying things. So, you know, it, it's our duty to go out there, help support them to keep them going because we're, we're relying on them, not just, you know, now, but for the future, you know, for our children and everything else. So, you know, we need that. And I think that that's a, a huge thing right now is we're going to see a lot more. And I hope to see a lot more of that, you know, sourcing locally and supporting locally and, and giving back to our communities, you know, any way, shape that we can, because, um, you know, that's, that's what's needed. And I, I've seen a lot of that, you know, a lot of support from local restaurants, uh, that people normally wouldn't, a lot of people going to their local shops and, and, and buying things, uh, when maybe they, they normally wouldn't. And I'm hoping that that continues even more once the weather breaks again in springtime to actually like make well, a difference. I, I think there are uh, several important aspects to exactly what you're talking about too. I think we're starting to see how important supporting those local producers and those local farms and everything like that is because we're also running into supply chain issues, right? I mean, I talked with uh, uh, Eric Williams over at Momocho uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said that's one of the biggest challenges he has right now. I talked with uh, Michael Grieve at Tartine, same thing, uh, you know, just running into ton of a uh, ton of supply chain issues. Yeah. And if you do, and, and you know, we live in Ohio, you can't grow limes in Ohio, you can't grow avocados in Ohio, you know, it just can't be done. But yeah, I mean, if you're relying on too much product from outside of the state or outside of the Midwest or whatever the case may be, that can really, well, it, it's certainly a massive fly in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even we touched on the Duke's mayonnaise thing. Um, you know, I, I, we have a hard time getting it now. You know, like we, we have to order it and it's, you know, three weeks uh, out because the trucks aren't coming as often. Or, you know, um, the, the factory is only working at, uh, you know, partial capacity kind of thing. And it's just not producing as much or the packers aren't there as often. Uh, and that's just kind of how it is right now so you know you have to i don't want to say get creative but you have to you have to pivot you have to pivot constantly in this you know pandemic you know restaurant society and, you know another thing that we kind of touched on um the first time we spoke that i'd love to hear your thoughts on as well so obviously we're seeing the need for some pretty drastic change um in terms of operations, in terms of how you source your product, how you use your product, how you distribute yeah. your product, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the other side of that. And that's more like the people side. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of conversation going on right now, um, just across the country about some of the perils and pitfalls about the way people have been treated across the restaurant industry and just a lot of the things that we've just gotten used to as part of day-to-day -day life yeah. working in a restaurant that you don't necessarily see in other industries, people that work in other industries don't really understand. Um, and I know that that's a big question, but what are your thoughts there in terms of those just kind of uh, nuances of the, this industry that are probably going to need to see some change as we start to dig our way out of this? Yeah, I mean, I think you and I both, uh, you know, we kind of talked briefly about this before I've grown up in this industry that it was, you know, not only is it a cutthroat industry, but it's, you know, uh, a very abrasive industry, you know, so uh, I mean, I, I, it's kind of weird to say it like this, but I mean, I went to the Citadel, it was a military college, like, you know, 
I got stabbed with swords. I have an E branded on my chest. Like it was, you know, a very, uh, lots of hazing and whatnot. You know, I wrestled for 16 years, lots of like random hazing and stuff like that. Um, that's almost what the, the restaurant industry feels like to me. Uh, and maybe I'm just so used to it that, it, you know, and I kind of grew up that way and, and playing sports and, and having it that way that I just kind of fell into this, you know, quasi hazing industry with the, you know, it's like you work hard, you show what you do, like, you know, things can, can come out of it. And, you know, all these miscreants and, uh, you know, crazy, you know, groups of people put together, they normally would never be put together, but somehow it kind of works kind of thing. Um, you know, but, you know, we grew up in this brigade system of, of being, you know, yelled at constantly, you know, you did one thing wrong. Like you got something thrown at you, you know, you were, you know, if you did something, uh, sometimes like maybe somebody would burn the back of your leg or something, not even on accident. Like, you know, here's a pair of hot tongs kind of thing hitting the back of me, you know, like it's, it, it, it wasn't out of the realm of, of question. You know, I've seen people get fired for looking at somebody the wrong way. Like, you know, like it's somebody not saying hello to an owner once like get out of my restaurant. Cool. Like, you know, your restaurant, you do, you do what it is that you do kind of thing. But, uh, you know, and I think that's something that I'm hoping that, you know, now that there's a spotlight on the industry and, and things that are, you know, going on that we're trying to, you know, uh, reprieve, you know, this industry that we love. Um, and I think the only way that we can really do that is by like having more understanding and, you know, being more positive in nature to uh, our, um, our staff and, and, and our, our mentees and, you don't have to be a dick in this industry. Like you don't have to be an asshole to, to, to run a restaurant to, I think it's way easier to garner that respect by just showing who you are, what you do, being positive and then bringing them up and leading them and, and giving them opportunities to learn. You know, everybody guards themselves so much like, Oh, these are my recipes. This is this, like, like, bro, listen, nothing's your recipe. I'm sure you got it from somebody else. It came from somebody else. Like you read it in a book, like, it might be a hodgepodge of a couple of different recipes. Like there's, there's, there's very little originality in what we do, but what makes it your own is, is, is you putting yourself into it and then you showing other people how to put themselves into, to what they do and, and showing them like, you know, um, to, to be better than you were yesterday and to push yourself to do more tomorrow and to be open to criticisms and be open to, you know, the trying new things or, um, having people involved with, with your creative process and just evolving to a point that like, like our industry is always moving. It's never, you're never going to know everything. You're never going to be the smartest. You got to keep moving and keep growing and keep pushing yourself. And then in turn, like other people will surround, uh, be surrounded by you and, and want to keep doing that. And then you're just, you're pushing them, they're pushing you. And this is a circle of culinary kitchen life that is just keeps moving and growing uh, you know, to be better. I, you know, I, I don't, I've been in those restaurants. I've been in those kitchens that there's, there's lots of yelling. There's lots of negativity. Um, and some of those kitchens and restaurants, like I've grown in the most, you know, I, I've learned the most in, um, I think I've, I've done it out of necessity because of, of, of where I was. I, I don't, I don't think that, that we need to have that anymore. Like we need to be, we need to be positive, especially with trying to revitalize this industry that that is, you know, shrinking by the day kind of thing. You know, 
every, there's more restaurants closing every single day than ever, ever before. You know, the bubble has burst. The pandemic, uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely didn't help, but the bubble was like already kind of on that bursting point before. And now the pandemic came and it's boom, that bubble is, is, is completely gone. So, you know, now it's, it, it's trying to, you know, get everybody back. Like you want to support the restaurants. Like we don't want to support, you know, this, this negative environment, this, this environment that we pay people uh, minimum wage that they can barely get by, that we can't give them any, uh, any healthcare, uh, you know, that they're having to work three jobs just to, just to put food on their table for their families, because that's, that's what it is right now. Instead, like, let's, let's change the narrative. Let's be a positive industry. Let's pay our people uh, wages that, that allows them to uh, provide for their family. Let's give them some type of health care that they don't have to, you know, worry about being sick, especially right now during a pandemic. Like if you're sick, I don't want you coming into the restaurant. I don't care what it is. Like, you know, we should be okay with that. Everybody else can work from home. Our rest, our industry cannot. Like we have to be here in order to cook, in order to feed people, which, you know, we're a, a necessity. But what we can do is is treat our people who work in this industry with that same um, dignity that that you know we would want to be. Well, treated. and you know, as you touched on there, um, I, I've certainly been through uh, several positions where um, it, it's a very tense work environment every day, and you know the expectations are very high every day for the performance of everyone. If you don't live up to those expectations, then you're going to hear about it in a number of ways, some of which might be a little bit kind of detrimental to either your mental or physical well-being. Uh, and like you, you know, I don't I mean, that's not I do have some appreciation for that time because you real. I personally really came to know that I was capable of more than I thought I was. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. You know, if that makes sense, like you understand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but on the other side of that, you know, what I think about now is I, I watched a TED talk um a few nights ago with a guy named Steve Palmer, who was one of the founders of Ben's Friends, um, and he was talking about a sustainable workforce. And you know, on the other side of that, I think about like how sustainable is that to for your work environment to look like that every day? How sustainable is it to have an environment where the guiding rule is don't care about what you've got going on outside of work, leave it at the door and come in here with your game face on, you know, um, the, the, the modus operandi is like not, you know, not doing regular mental check-ins with you, with yourself and with your team. Right. Uh, as you say, yeah. that bubble's got to pop sooner or later. And I feel like yeah. we're watching that bubble pop right now. Yeah, I think it's all about sustainability with our industry. You know, we have to figure out a way to sustain it, to sustain our people. Um, and it starts off with our staff. It starts off with the people that we choose to surround ourselves with every day who become, you know, our second families. You know, some of the people that I see on a daily basis, I see more than my, my wife sure. and, and kids. Uh, that's just... That's a sacrifice that we make, you know, if we're sacrificing, you know, this, um, to, you know, counterbalance our, our families, our, our home lives, like we need to be able to put into it everything that we have to make it the, you know, the, the best industry that yeah. we can to make it sustainable 
concept that to make it as positive as we can to be able to provide and to nurture and to help grow and you know take care of of the people that we surround ourselves so with. you know all of that being said at this point in terms of the people that aren't directly involved in the restaurant industry at this point how do you feel let's say in northeast ohio how can they help to support this industry that continues to get rocked and will continue to get rocked through probably March? How can they support your efforts and the restaurant community as a whole, in your opinion? I mean, the restaurant community as a whole, like support local business, you know, go, go to your local restaurants, you know, maybe the ones that you normally wouldn't, you know, the, when, when uh, we first found out about the first closure, my wife and I, we were at home, we were watching the news, we packed up the kids in the car, we drove around to probably seven different places. And we were like, listen, we're gonna support as many people as we can and give a little bit of our money to everybody that we can. And we, you know, we went to a brewery and, and, and it were probably a couple of breweries, let's be honest, and bought, bought beer from them. And it was like, okay, like we wanna get your beer. We're gonna go to uh, you know, this local cheesemonger. We're gonna buy uh, their cheese, go to the bakery, buy the bread, you know, go to uh, the local grocery store, buy, buy things and just try to give as much of our support to these smaller businesses. And then, you know, when we do takeout, you know, we want to support locally. So we go through and figure out, okay, like who haven't we given our money to? And, and, and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's not always the, the best places in the world, but we know that we need to continue to support our local people, our local restaurants, because, you know, they're, they're not all going to be home runs, but they, it's still us. It's still who we are. Like we need to continue to support them because it, w w without them, we don't have anything. So, um, and on a different note, like we, you know, we started Cleveland Family Meal. Like we, the way that globally you can support, support supporting your restaurants, the way that you can help locally support the people who are out of work, who continue to find themselves unemployed uh, because of their, their current jobs are shutting down because, you know, somebody tested positive for, for COVID in their uh, workplace and they have to quarantine for the next two weeks. Um, you know, that's where Cleveland Family Meal comes into play. You know, we help provide that. You know, we are, we're, we're working on, on growing our system to be a little more sustainable. So obviously coming into the winter months, we can't just have a, an outdoor market in a parking lot in Lakewood. Um, doesn't seem very feasible uh, in Ohio. So what we're going to be doing is is gathering uh, local support from restaurants by by saying, hey, like, you know, let's put a cocktail on your menu and X percentage of this goes to family meal. And what we do in turn is is that you help uh, help us identify people who are in need. You know, you're you're a restaurant, uh, you're a bar. Like, um, somebody gets laid off because you can't support the business. Like, we'll help provide them, you know, provisions during these times. We know that we're going to need more help than ever in the wintertime because more people than ever are going to need help during the wintertime. So help us help our community. You know, we're all in this together. You know, we're, we're all in the same industry. We're all fighting for the same things. Like, let's, let's just do it together. Like, two heads are better than one. You know, imagine what we can do as a, as a, as a group. No, 100%. 100%. Um, well, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking with me today. Again, like, just – Really, really awesome work. Um, if there's anything we can do or I can do on this end to 
show support to you guys, I'm more than happy to do it. Um, anybody you want to throw a quick shout out to before we start to close out? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, come up, help support us up at, at Cleveland Family Meal. Okay. Uh, you know, it's Cleveland Family or ClevelandFamilyMeal.com. Okay. Um, you can follow me socially on on Instagram at uh, Zombie for Food. Okay. Uh, you know, for all the updates, uh, Cleveland Family Meal on Instagram as well for all the updates. Um, you know, it's myself and and Ryan Boone uh, running that out. Uh, he's a Chip the Dipper on uh, Instagram. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, the two of us, we, we try to get out there and, and do as much as we can uh, for our communities. And then, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of pop-ups over wintertime to try and help, uh, you know, build awareness and build some uh, more community support and, you know, to, you know, continue continue the cause. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, yeah, doing what we can. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Chef. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.